continuing our series this morning in the life of David from an unexpected source as we've been working through First and Second Samuel. We find ourselves here this morning in Acts chapter 13, 36. We've been journeying through this life of David looking at how God's grace has been manifested in his life and God's broader purpose for the redemption of the world through the line of David. We've got about three weeks left before we go into our fall series, and this morning we're going to focus on a very brief reference in Acts chapter 13, 36. So for those of you here who, you know, we were going through several chapters of First and Second Samuel at a time, this is your day because this is the one-verse sermon. Well, here we go, right? <laughs> okay, let us pray and set this, our time apart. Father, we ask for your spirit to be poured out upon us so that you, in this hour, Lord, would meet us and impress your truth upon us and open our hearts to what you are doing in this world and what you are doing in this world, what you are doing in us, and Lord, for the purpose that you would have us here and the purpose that you would have us at this church in September of 2016. We pray this for the honor of your name. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. What is your epitaph? Your epitaph being that statement that people put on their tombstones or sometimes it's a statement that they're most known for. Well, here are a couple notable ones. This is from Johnny Yeast. Here lies Johnny Yeast. Pardon me for not rising. One from a tombstone in Nova Scotia that was hard to read. Here lies Ezekiel Akel, age 102, the good die young. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> or um, there's also William Hahn. I-, I told you I was sick. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. We'll listen to you next time, I-, I guess. Probably some more shocking ones, though. Winston Churchill. I am ready to meet my maker. But whether my maker is prepared for the great ordeal of meeting me is another matter. Or Martin Luther King Jr., free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Or Johnny Cash. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord my strength, and my redeemer. You know, it used to be that for people, the greatest fear that people had in their life, and it was identified as, if people were asked what was the greatest fear that they had in their life, the thing that they were most afraid of, the number one answer for the longest time was what? Do you even know? Public speaking. That's right. Public speaking. And that has changed over the last 10 to 15 years particularly if you're under the age of 45. So when that survey is done today and the question is asked, what is your greatest fear in life? The, the number one answer today is this. My greatest fear is that my life won't count. My greatest fear is that my life won't count, that I won't have an epitaph of something that was worthwhile. You know, each one of us does want our lives to count, right? We want our life to not be wasted. We want our life to be engaged in a meaningful purpose for the few short days that we are on the face of the earth, that there would be a meaningful purpose for our life and that there would be a reason for our existence. Yet for so many of us, we don't feel that to be the case in our daily life. 
Indeed, for many of us, what happens is maybe for you this Sunday morning, you gather here and you look at your life and you say, okay, you know what, I've got a good job, I've got a good income, I've got a, I've got a pretty good life, I've gotten most of what I set out for, I'm, maybe I'm married and I've got, I've got kids and I've got a great family. And you say, is this it? Is this it? I mean, is this really what it was all about? You know, in every year, particularly, we, you know, we see this transition for people coming from, from college, graduating college, and they've worked hard their whole life being a student. They get their first job. They're in their 20s. They're in their first career position, and they're, and they're in there. They're, maybe they're working on base. Maybe they're an engineer. Maybe they're a logistician, what have you. They're doing their job. They're saying, is this what I work so hard for? Is this it? I, I know. I, I need to get married. And so they go and they get married, and then they get married, and guess what what happens? They say, is this it? Not that I don't have a great spouse, but there's something that's still not right. Oh, I know what it is. I need to have kids. And so they go ahead and have have children, and guess what? They have kids, and guess what the question pops up? Is this it? And despite getting all these things, they look at their life and say, you know, my life is going well. I've got a lot of different things. I've got a good life. I've got a good family. I don't really have anything else to ask for. I've been blessed in so many different ways. But for some reason inside of me, there is this gnawing, nagging meaninglessness, this sense of emptiness, emptiness, this purposelessness, this boredom that doesn't seem to go away. And it continues to be there no matter what I achieve. And so it begs the question, what is your epitaph? I believe in Acts chapter 13, 36, Scripture gives a very succinct epitaph for David's life that is very instructive for us. It says this, For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers, and he saw corruption. That means his body decayed. But he, Jesus Christ, whom God raised up from the dead, did not see corruption. What was David's epitaph? To put it succinctly, after David had fulfilled the purpose, of, the purpose of God for him in his own generation, he died. That's it. But David fulfilled the purpose that God had for him. And as we have been journeying through this life of David and the many different experiences, things that David wasn't expecting, what is clear is that David's life was not an accident. But God had a purpose for David. In every event in David's life, God was shaping and forming David for what God was calling David to do at that very moment and shaping and forming him for what God was preparing him to do and calling him to do in the future. Consider some of the things that we have looked at. I mean, little did David know that his years of wandering the hillsides of Israel, being a shepherd, tending to his sheep, Little did David know that his years of leading his sheep to green pastures and leading them beside still waters, of guiding them through dark valleys and shadows and staying right beside them and taking his rod and his staff with them to protect and to guide and to correct and to defend his sheep. Little did David know the insight that that would give him for David to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Little did David know how God was shaping and preparing him for what God was calling him to do. 
Little did David know that his defense of his flock with his rod and his staff and his slingshot was preparation for David to go forward and battle Goliath. Little did David know that his years on the run from Saul, hiding in a cave, some 13 plus direct attempts on his life by King Saul, Little did David know that God was using that time to shape David so that David would know what true devotion is, that David would know and rely upon God's protection. And all the while in these events, God was shaping and forming and preparing David to be king over his people and to be the shepherd of God's people. Every step of the way, God had a purpose for David. Your life is not an accident. Because we see this not only in David, but we see it in many other people in Scripture. From those of the big prominent names and the lesser known names, you consider Moses, who spent the first 40 years of his life getting the world's best education to be the leader of a nation. And then he spent the next 40 years of his life wandering the Arabian Peninsula as a shepherd. Why? All in preparation for the next 40 years of his life that began at age 80. For the next 40 years of his life where he would be a leader of a nation, leading people through the Arabian Peninsula for 40 years. By the time that Moses was leading the people of God through the Arabian Peninsula, Moses knew where every watering hole was, every path, every mountain pass, every every danger, every cave, everything, the seasons. He knew all of it because God had a purpose for him and he was shaping him to bring that purpose about. We see it in so many biblical characters, Esther the winner of the beauty pageant, who was God's appointed one, queen, to become the rescuer of God's people. Ordinary people. Those are the the more prominent names, some ordinary ones like Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Susanna. What did they do? Well, they accompanied Jesus' disciples and served them and financially supported them. Or you consider someone like Silas, who his name's not really known much about what he did other than he accompanied Paul. Or many of the the recipients of letters in, the, in Scripture that's, re, that's directed to the elders or servants at a particular location. Their names didn't make it in, God's, in the Scriptures. But who were they? They were people that God had put in their location at that time, and they put them in that place. Why? Because God had a purpose for them to serve the local body, to be a faithful witness of Jesus Christ in that community. And the Scripture commends them for the service, and for the purpose that God had them. Your life is not an accident. And in great and small ways, God has sovereignly shaped the events in your life to form you for what he is calling you to do right now and to shape you for what he is calling you to do in the future. Let's get more specific about that. Many of you don't even know how on earth you landed up in southern Maryland. Many of you didn't even, had never heard of Southern Maryland before your spouse told you, hey, honey, we're moving to this place in Southern Maryland, right? I mean, you hadn't even heard of it. I was talking to a person two weeks ago who grew up in Baltimore, who was down here, and they said, I didn't know that Maryland went south of Annapolis. I've lived in Maryland my entire life, right? And so many of you have never even heard of this place before God brought you here. But it is not happenstance that you are here. Is that you might have gone through life going from decision to decision. I've got to make a decision about school. I've got to make a decision about my job. I've got to make a decision about a job opportunity. For many of, for some of you, those decisions were made for you. you, Excuse me. 
For others of you, you just kind of went, life is just going from decision to decision, next thing to next thing. Okay, you've got kids. I've got to take care of kids. I've got to get them in school. We've got activities. All of this stuff, I'm barely keeping my head above water. And it just feels like you're going like this all the time. But it's not an accident. God has a purpose for you, and he has a purpose for you here. Consider, for example, we recently just heard a report from our New York City mission team about what God did in them and what God did through them in New York City. And it was a great thing, and it's great for us as a church to support that. We're about to send a team out to Guatemala coming up in January. But for those of you that have been on these mission teams, consider all of the work that goes into it. There's the fundraising, there's the team meetings, there's the preparing, there's the logistics, there's the planning, there's the praying, there's getting other people to pray. For what? For one week. For one week. And it begs the question, for all of us, what are you doing the other 51 weeks of the year in the place that God has put you and called you in the location where you can have the most impact? It's not an accident that God has called you here. Let me highlight the obvious. If you are here, God has called you here. See, pretty obvious, right? No, if you are here, God has called you here. He hasn't called you to Hawaii. He hasn't called you to Italy. He hasn't called you to the Caribbean, though sometimes I feel personally called to the Caribbean. He, <laughs> he hasn't called you to Africa. He hasn't called you to Asia. You are here because God has put you here and because God has called you here, and he has a purpose for you here at this time and in this place. I was reminded afresh of this again as I was thinking of one of the matriarchs of our church, Doris Rollins. And she said to me, she said, if you use me as an example, make sure you tell them what a sinner I am. I said, okay, I will. But Doris, Doris um, battled cancer in her 40s, had a life and death battle with cancer. And she went into uh, not quite remission, but could be considered remission for, for 33 years. She was a cancer survivor. And in her early 70s, she got the bad news that she was diagnosed with cancer again. And when she told me the news that she was diagnosed with cancer again, she said to me, well, this could be it. But by God's grace, he healed her from cancer not just one time, but two times. And when she got the declaration now in her upper, at the time in her upper 70s, early 80s, that she was cancer-free and that her cancer was in check, And she told me that good news. Her response to that was, I guess God still has a purpose for me, doesn't he? Amen. And you know what she did? She started up a Bible study at Asbury. And she sees that God has her there for a purpose of reaching her peers, her friends, the community that she is in with the gospel. And she knows that God, as long as she is alive, that God has given her a purpose to reach this generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. God has a purpose for Doris. He had a purpose for David. And God has a purpose for you. But let me get a little bit more specific about that. Notice the purpose that God has for David. It says the purpose of God had served the purpose of God in his own generation. That David had a purpose in his own generation. It's that there comes a time within each and every generation of Christians when they must take hold of the purpose and mission of God for themselves and for their own generation. 
there comes a time when each and every generation of Christians must no longer rely on what their forebearers did and what their parents and their grandparents did, but there comes a time when each and every generation must take a hold of the purpose of God and say, this just isn't God's purpose for them in their generation. This is God's purpose for me in my generation. And it is the calling of each and every generation to reach them with the good news of Jesus Christ. You consider Jesus' last words to his disciples in Matthew 28. Go, make disciples, the only command in that passage, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that command that Jesus gave to his disciples has been passed down from generation to generation across ethnic groups, across nationalities, across socioeconomic divides, across political divides, across oceans, down through the centuries to where you are sitting in your seat this day. And that commission that he has given and the calling to not simply make disciples, but to make disciples who make disciples is upon us and given to us to reach this generation. And quite frankly, our time to do that is now. Let me just remind you, for those of you that are familiar with this, of St. Mary's County. Religious traditions in St. Mary's County as of 2010. First column for those of you that can't read that far. (laughs) Evangelical Protestants, black Protestants, mainline Protestants, Orthodox, Catholic, other, unclaimed, have no religious affiliation. 66,000 people in St. Mary's County having no religious affiliation of any kind. Let's not even talk about whether or not these churches are preaching the gospel. Just this category alone, two out of three cars that you pass by when you drive on the base, two out of three people that you see in the grocery store and stand in line with them do not have the hope of Jesus Christ. Two out of three. And that's not even going into the question of are are other places preaching the gospel or not. Now, the question then is, who is going to reach these people with the gospel? Not only that, but St. Mary's County is projecting that by 2020, there will be another 15,000 people moving in here. And do you know where they're moving? They are all moving, with an exception of a couple of people in Leonardtown. They're true. They are moving between Gate 3 and Wildwood and back to Route 5. And the county is targeting all 50, that growth in that region. Now... Given those things, what does that mean? Is that yes, God's mission is out there at the ends of the earth, but God's mission is also right here and is before us right now. And who is going to reach St. Mary's County and the people of this place with the good news of Jesus Christ? Let me give you an example. We have a missionary that our church supports who is a missionary in Pakistan. Tough place to be a missionary. He has people on his team raising, who have raised support and who work as engineers in Pakistan. Engineers, go figure, called by God. Imagine that, right? <laughs> I love you guys. <laughs> What's happening? What is he doing? Actually, the other people, the, the way that the team is set up because the security is such a concern, they don't even know all the people on their team. But what are they doing? They get a job working for an engineering company in Pakistan doing good engineering. 
But every one of those people who goes there knows, I am not here to do good engineering in Pakistan. Yes, that is the vehicle that God has given me. But I am here to bring the hope and the good news of Jesus Christ to this place because this, God has put me here to bring that message. Again, why are you here? What are we about as a church? We are about, we are as a church, are a church that is called to make disciples. Not simply to make disciples, but to make disciples who make disciples. Let me also state another, highlight another obvious thing about what this means in our community. Here's another obvious point of observation, obvious point. People who want to go to church, go to church. And people who don't want to go to church, don't go to church. And so how is Southern Maryland going to be reached with the hope and the truth and the joy of Jesus Christ? Here's not how it's going to happen. It's not going to happen through Cornerstone taking out an ad in the enterprise and saying, there are hours available to you when you can come talk to a pastor. There are professionals who you can talk to about these things. I mean, who wants to talk to a pastor? I mean, I barely do, right? (laughs) But those who want to talk to a pastor do so. And what happens, though, and actually a lot of times there's a lot of people who don't want to talk to a pastor. This odd social phenomenon that I have is that when I'm in social gatherings and people ask me what I do, I say, well, I'm a pastor of a church in our community. This is the response nine out of ten times. Hi, hi, I'm... I'm Joe Smith. I'm an engineer on base. Hi, I'm Walt Nilsson. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor in this community. This is the response. They say, "Oh, no joke." They say, "Oh," and turn and walk away. What does that mean? Again, people that want to talk to pastors will talk to pastors, and those that don't don't. But who is going to reach this community? How is it going to happen? It's going to happen through the disciples of Jesus Christ making disciples just as Jesus called them to. And the role of pastors and leaders in this church is to equip you, the saints, for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body. This community is going to be reached by God's Spirit working on people, working in disciples of Jesus Christ who acknowledge and freely profess like the missionary and like the engineer in Pakistan, who acknowledge and freely profess that the reason that God has put me here is not for the advancement of my career. It is not for to increase my personal security and stability and a comfortable retirement. It is not so that I have a nice home and a nice safe place for my family. That was Israel's issue, was it not, in the Old Testament? Their view was, we're just here to pass the truths of God onto our children. And part of God's judgment to them was that they had has abandoned his mission to bring the gospel to the nations that he had called each and every one of them to do. That was part of God's judgment on the nation of Israel. Yes, are we called to serve our families? Absolutely. Principally, primarily, absolutely. But that's not why you're here. It is going to be reached through disciples of Jesus Christ who are, meek, who are committed to making disciples of Jesus Christ because they know that God has given them a purpose to serve in their own generation, in this generation, to make disciples of this place, in this place. Most of you here will probably move away from here. Right? That's what we experience as part of the transience of our community. Most of you, there is a time coming when you will leave here. Our desire is that we want you to grow so much in our church and that you would grow in effectiveness in making disciples that when God takes you to the next place, 
that you would be making disciples in every place he sends you out from here. That when you go to another church, you go to another ministry, you go to another location, and they're saying, wow, we really need to reach this community, you would say, I'm in. Because we've been doing that. Because God has been using me towards that end. That's what we want for you. And that's what we want to help you grow in, and that's what we want to, help you be, want to help you be effective in. Not simply to make disciples, but making disciples who make disciples. Now, let me give a word of you to those of you who stay, for the five of you that have been here for 25 years, right? Now, there's five founding members of Cornerstone left. Jerry Murphy, who just got ordained as a deacon, installed as a deacon, was one of them. Five, Right? But for those of you who are here and you've seen the waves of people come through and, and you look at this and you come to church and you're like, there's so many people I don't know. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know these people. There is a very easy tendency to say, you know what, they're just going to be gone in a couple of years. It's not worth the effort. It's not worth the effort. And I understand that. I mean, in this last mega wave of people that we had moving away from our community, I, there were several close friends, close friends of our family, major ministry partners here at Cornerstone who moved away. And it was exhausting. And the thought of saying, I mean, Holly and I had talked one night, and the thought of saying, okay, it's time to reinvest. And I said to her, I don't know if I have the emotional capacity to do that. I don't know. And that then turned into, Lord, help me do what you've called me to do. So I, I get the challenge of the transients within our community. But let me highlight, why should you do that? Why should you invest? Why should you focus on making disciples? Because God has a purpose for you here. And he has a purpose for you in reaching this generation. And the incredible thing for those few of you that actually stay and stick around for a while, the incredible thing is that you don't have to go to the ends of the earth. You just have to stay put. And God just keeps bringing them through the doors of our church, right? He just keeps bringing them through. And what's your role? Well, what I hope your role would be is that people who go to California and go across the globe and move to Jacksonville, Florida, or Cornerstone South, <laughs> that people would say, you know what? You know, when I look at my life, there was just this window where I was at this place in some no-name area of Maryland that I couldn't remember. But, you know, there were some people who had been there for like a decade. And you know what? They, they, they were willing to invest in people that were passing through. And my life is different because of them. My, I, I, there is spiritual fruit being born in my life because there are believers who are rooted in that community who are committed to advancing the purpose of God in their own generation. Don't you want that to be your story? Don't you want your life to count in that way? I bet you do. And that's the calling that God has given to us to fulfill God's purpose in reaching this generation, to fill God's purpose for us in this generation. Well, how do you do that? Let me just give you three very practical things to do. Number one is to make known your faith, to not keep it private. How do you do that? You just normalize the conversation about your faith. What did you do this weekend? You go to a coworker and you say, what did you do this weekend? I did this, 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 and this. And they say to you, what did you do this weekend? Always give the answer. Well, I went to church on Sunday, and I heard this amazing sermon. <laughs> okay, very good. <laughs> amen, amen, there we go, right. <laughs> I, 
And so, well, if there was something that impacted you in the sermon, say, well, I went to church this Sunday, you know, and, and the pastor really made me think about this aspect of my life. And then you carry on the conversation, but the point is to normalize it. If you go to church one week and it's a really bad sermon, it happens. I've, I've been there. I've done that. My apologies to you all. If it's a really bad sermon, what do you say? Well, what did I do? I went to church this Sunday. It's, it's so great to have a community of people where you can be connected with people who love you, where you can be real with is that you say some positive aspect about church just to normalize the conversation, that it's not some hidden taboo thing that you don't talk about, but it's just simply a part of who you are. Now, for those of you here that are concerned about letting people know that you're a Christian because it's a bad witness, if you did, you need to repent. And you need to do good work and honor the Lord with your work. But as we go into this fall and as many of our ministries are kicking off, there's Two things, for three things that we desire for people to attend Cornerstone. We don't want you to be involved in everything. Actually, we would tell you not to be involved in everything because that would be quite unhealthy. But there's three things we want you to do. It's to be regularly, it's to committed to regular Sunday worship. Two, we want you to be connected in something where you are growing in your knowledge of the Word of God and you are growing as a follower of Jesus Christ, both in knowledge and in the skills and the tools of being a disciple. And so... Committed to worship, committed to some aspect of growing. Our adult discipleship guide is a great resource for that with our community groups, Christian education classes, some of the other opportunities, journey groups, and what have you. The other thing that we want and is necessary for your spiritual growth and is necessary for God's purpose for you in this generation is for you to be intentionally investing in the lives of others through service. You will not grow spiritually if you are just consuming and not investing in others. And that's what we desire. It is necessary for each and every person's spiritual growth, and it's necessary for us to reach this generation with the gospel. Let me address a particular group of you here. For those of you that are new to Cornerstone, and maybe this was the Sunday that you said, hey, today's the day I'm going to check out Christianity for one last time, and you just walked in, and you're like, what on earth did I walk into here this morning, right? And you're, you're, you're listening to this. Let me just encourage you, and you hear some of the things I'm saying, you're like, wow, okay, this kind of, this kind of sound, sounds crazy. And... Quite frankly, some of it sounds that way. We believe in some very bold claims. We believe in angels and demons, as Pastor Lee talked about earlier. We believe that there is a real spiritual warfare going on. We believe that God is the creator of the heavens and earth and that he created each and every person to be in God's image. And that because of our own sinfulness, the entire created order got messed up. And there's brokenness and pain and suffering in this whole world and racism and and injustice and personal sin. And we believe that God sent his own son, God become man in the person of Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, to be our substitute, so that through his blood shed on the cross, the scripture says that he would reconcile all things to himself, whether on earth or or in heaven, and he did so by his blood on the cross. And Jesus Christ rose from the grave to give new life and life abundant. And we believe that he is bodily returning. I get that those are some things you're like, that is just so weird, dude. How can you believe that? I get that those are bold claims. And the reason why we believe them is, one, because they're true. And they're true whether we believe them or not. The second reason why that supports our belief in them is because God continues to be at work. And God continues to change lives. And when you look around this room here today, 
And you see people here, what you will find, and you talk to people, you will find people from different backgrounds, different walks of life, different upbringings, different faith backgrounds, but you will hear a consistent story of the people in this room, which is Jesus Christ has changed my life, and Jesus Christ is still changing my life this day. And his spirit is at work, and there is real transformation that comes through a relationship with him. And if you want to investigate this, I do believe that honest questions deserve honest answers. If I don't have an answer for you, I'm not going to, I'll tell you that. But if you've got some questions, I'd love to sit down with you. Just say to me, hey, Walt, I've got some questions. And if you don't want to meet at our church, church office, if that's too freaky, we'll go meet at Panera. That's fine too, whatever. But don't let the opportunity pass you by to investigate these things. Because you are in a room of people who are excited about what God has done in their life and excited about what God will do. Because God has a purpose for each and every one of us in this generation. There is a story that I really feel characterizes what God has called us to do as a church in our ministry at Cornerstone. It's a story I've shared, shared before, and I'll share it again. It's a story that occurred in 560 A.D. And there was a, a man uh, who was a monk whose name was Columba. And in 560 A.D., Columba and 12 others committed themselves to each other to studying the Word of God and to reaching their generation and to fulfilling God's purpose for them in their own generation. So these 13 went and settled on a no-name island off the coast of Scotland called Iona. Iona is three miles long and one mile wide. And there on that island, they devoted themselves to the study of the Word of God. They devoted themselves not only to studying God's Word, but they devoted themselves to reaching Scotland and all of Europe with the good news of Jesus Christ. And over the next 30 years, what happened is that people came to that place and they were trained and they were sent out. And they were sent out across Scotland and across Europe. And for the next 200 years, churches throughout Europe were planted and started. And those churches grew and they thrived because of Columba and that group of believers. And we are here today, this morning, wholly because of the grace of God, without question. But it is also true that we are here today in a very large part because of a monk named Columba and his group of 13 believers who committed themselves to living on a no-name island off the coast of Scotland and who devoted themselves to the study of the Word of God and to reaching their generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. We are Columba's epitaph. What is yours? And I hope and pray that 100 years from now, that 200 years from now, that 1,500 years from now, dare I say, like Columba, our distance to him, that another church sometime in the future will say, we are here today wholly because of the grace of God. But it is also true that we are here today in large part because of a group of ordinary believers who lived in some no-name part of Maryland who devoted themselves to the Word of God and to reaching their generation with the good news of Jesus Christ. Look around right now. Look around. Today, we are gathered together 
as that group of believers. God has a purpose for you in this place, however long you're here. God has a purpose for you in reaching this generation. God has a purpose for us in this place and a purpose for us as a body in this generation. May we, by His grace and the powerful moving of His Spirit, may we zealously fulfill His purpose for us. Let's pray together. Father, we gather together as a group of believers who are continually humbled by your grace and continually humbled by our own inadequacy. There are also times, Father, when we are completely consumed by the pressures and tensions and demands of life where we can barely get past the next thing, where we can barely get past how a pig's cooking at a pig roast this afternoon. But you, Lord, are working your plan of salvation to the ends of the earth. And the ordinary and boring and mundane things of life are not ancillary to it, but are very, the very part of the purpose that you have called us to. And Lord, you have put us here not just by happenstance, but you have put us here in this place for however many years we're here. You have put us here to reach this generation, to reach the two out of three people and more in this place who do not know you. And you, Lord, by your design, have sovereignly scattered the members of Cornerstone throughout all levels of this community that your kingdom would advance. Father, will we be so enraptured by your grace and impressed with the mission that you are on and have graciously invited us to that we would live for you and bear fruit for you in every sphere of influence in our lives. Father, we ask that you would do this so that people of every tongue and tribe and nation passing through Southern Maryland, that their lives would be changed by the witness of the members of this church because your spirit is working in them. Lord, we pray for the students at St. Mary's College who are far outnumbered. Lord, would you give them protection? Would you give them encouragement? And would you make them fruitful witnesses of your truth and grace? And Lord, would you use us as a body not only to love one another, not only to enjoy one another, but to spur one another on in the mission that you have given for us to reach this community with the gospel. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen.